want us to actually just kind of sit with this passage for a little while. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and just keep your, your Bibles open to this passage because we'll be here for a little bit. But I want us to just kind of sit here and really just kind of get into our heads where these people are at right now, just kind of what's going on. So about three days ago, they left Egypt, and this is really the only home that many of them have known. At this point, they've been there in Egypt. 430 years. So generations of people have only ever known Egypt as their home. And it wasn't perfect, obviously. They were enslaved, but it was what they knew. It was familiar. They knew that every morning they would wake up and there would still be work to do. They knew the Egyptians would still be there. There would still be oppression and heat and sand. This is what they knew. This is their home. And then this Moses guy comes along and he says, um, I'm actually gonna deliver you. You're gonna leave this land. And he starts talking to Pharaoh and trying to convince Pharaoh to let the people leave. And then after time and time again, no, no, they can't leave. No, I'm not letting them leave. Then God brings these devastating plagues to the land. And finally, Pharaoh decides to let them leave. So they pack up just really what they can carry very quickly. And they follow this guy Moses out into the desert wilderness. And they're guided, the Bible says, by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, a guide that really came directly from God, and the people knew that. And so wherever it led, that's where the people would go. But at some point along the way, as they're following this pillar, it kind of veers Instead of leading into the desert with the sea along their side, this pillar that they're following veers and leads the people directly towards the sea. So just, just picture this. You're following this pillar, and then it turns, but you've been following it. So you keep following it, and it leads to a body of water, which really doesn't make any sense if you think about it, right? If you are running from someone, you're trying to get away from them, it doesn't make sense to run towards a body of water, unless you've got a boat or you're like an Olympic swimmer. Otherwise, like running away from someone towards the water makes no sense. Like, oh, I have an idea. Instead of dying by the Egyptians, let's just all go drown. That's a good idea. It, it makes no sense. But the pillar leads them towards the sea, and, and we're talking like carts, kids, young people, old people. We've got livestock. And they're going towards the sea. You can't expect to get very far in front of a body of water. So now, not only have you left the land that has been your home, the only home you've ever known, and now you're, you're walking through the wilderness, heading along a route that makes no sense, 
You're surrounded by impossibility, face to face with this body of water, with the Egyptian army. And, and let me tell you about this Egyptian army. They, they have these chariots, which were like the tanks of the day. Like they were the, the best of the best. Pharaoh's chariots were nothing to mess with. And they're all behind you. The sea's in front of you and everything else on the side of you is wilderness. From every angle, this is an impossible situation. And so no wonder we see the people complaining here. I mean, wouldn't you? Like, why did you bring us out here? We're face to face with impossibility. Behind us, it's impossible to turn back. There's nowhere to go. Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Could have at least died in peace there. We know they had a lot of graves. Could have at least been buried somewhere. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? And if we're honest, we sometimes find ourselves kind of face to face with impossible situations in life, don't we? In fact, some of you maybe even have walked into this room with an impossible situation on your plate. Maybe you walked in this morning and you're not sure how you're going to pay for your next bill. Not sure where the money is going to come from. Or maybe you've walked in with the impossibility of some sort of medical diagnosis that has no answers, has no hope, and you're just kind of left saying, I, I don't... I don't know what else to do. Maybe some of you have walked into this room watching your kids get older and thinking, I can't do this. I, I, like, I don't, they're out of control. I don't know what to do. Or maybe even worse, they're grown and they're out of the house and you know you have no control over them and yet you're just stuck there watching saying, I don't know how to fix them. And I can't because they're adults and I don't know what to do. Maybe you've got like uncertainty at work. You're worried about job security. Maybe you're just looking around at the world, even as Kayla mentioned earlier, looking at the things that are going on around us and thinking, this is impossible. Like, really, is there actually anything we can do to change this? And we, we find ourselves standing there looking at these situations in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, in the world around us, and we're thinking there is absolutely no way. There's no way I, I, can't, I can't go back, I can't go forward, I am so stuck. And then to top it all off, I can't even drive away from it because gas is so expensive. And then once we think that, then we think, but then part of the reason for that is I think about the people in another country, another part of the world, who have far more uncertainties in their lives. 
her wondering about home and family, if there's even a home to go back to. See, these are the kinds of uncertainties that we feel. And we've not only felt like we've run out of options, we, we actually have, like, we've explored all of the options. And we don't know what's left to do. We're left face to face with uncertainty and insecurity and the total unknown. So what are the options? Because there's got to be something, right? What are the options? What were Moses' options as he stood there face to face with uncertainty, with the sea in front of him, the Egyptians behind, surrounded by the people of Israel who he had led out from the only home they could remember. What were his options? Maybe that helps us kind of see what our options are. What were his options? I mean, option number one, he could have um, given up. He could have just said, you know what? Um, I was wrong. Hey, everyone, gather around. Um, this was a bad idea. Whoops. Uh, I, I don't, don't really know what else to do. Uh, <laughs> this is awkward. Um, thought I would have a plan at this point. I, I, I really don't know what to do, so everyone do what you think is best. If you want to try to run back, if you want to jump in the sea and start, like whatever you think is best, uh, go ahead and do that because I'm fresh out of options. Good luck. I mean, that was an option, right? He could have done that, just given up. Or his other option is trust the unseen, Trust that there's something, some way, somehow, that there was something else he could do. Put on a brave face and, and just hope that maybe something else would appear. And this seems to be the route that he goes with. If you take a look at verse 13 and 14 in Exodus chapter 14, it says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. It's like the, the bumper stickers, just stay calm. Moses decides, okay, tell the people, stay calm. And he reassures them, although really honestly, like it seems like Moses is a great man of faith, but you gotta really think like he's probably shaking inside as he says this. We don't know fully how confident he is at this moment, but he, he says to the people, stand still, trust, there's another way out. And then he goes to the Lord. And listen to what God says to him in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. They're still in front of a sea, you realize. Tell the people to get moving, pick up your staff, and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Now, I want you to realize the position that God has just put Moses in by saying this. This doesn't actually improve the situation. See, sometimes we read the story and we're like, yeah, that's awesome. They're going to cross the sea. But hold on. That hasn't happened yet. God has told Moses this. They're face to face with this impossible situation. And then he says, don't worry. You're going to walk across on dry land. Oh, wow, is right. See, because the sea is not parted yet. It's still a sea. And so to everyone else around them, everyone around Moses, this is, this is dumb. This is like totally foolish. I mean, it's not like, oh, duh, thank you, God. Obviously, that's, I, I should have thought of that before. I don't know why I didn't. No, it, it makes no sense. Like, imagine now the rumblings of the people. All right, everyone, gather up. Uh, Moses, he's talked with God. He's got a plan. Um, so, so here's an idea. I know things are looking pretty, pretty gloomy right now. Um, not sure exactly what this is going to look like, but here's the plan. You see that sea? We're going to walk through it. And everyone around him is like, say what? Coming, I, I think I, uh, I think the donkeys in the back were, were braying. I couldn't hear you. Walk through, through the sea. Are you crazy? Like, like not just through the sea, but with all of our people, all of our stuff. And on dry ground, are you serious right now? Like, okay, all right, everyone's going to load back up and we're going back to Egypt because this is a bad idea. See, to say that walking forward deeper into the unknown, because the sea is unknown, into the unseen would save the people, would bring them security and assurance, it's crazy. It's ludicrous. It makes no sense. And then, just to make it a little worse, for one terrifying moment, 
Not only are they face to face with the impossible, with zero options left, then the very thing that has been their guide this whole time, the pillar of cloud, moves behind them. So take a look at verse 19. It says, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps, which, okay, great, like puts some separation between the people and the Egyptians, which is a good thing, and we usually think, oh, this is good. God's protecting them from the back now. But that means they have no guide in front of them. So here, this one visual reminder that God is guiding them, now that's gone. They're being asked to walk into the unknown, to trust this God they cannot see. The only visual reminder of him has been removed from in front of them. And some of us have found ourselves in this position too, right? Where we, we've said, I'm following God, I'm trusting him, I've enjoyed his presence, I've enjoyed watching how he works, and then in a moment, it seems like he's gone. I can't see him anymore. The one thing that served as reassurance to the people is removed. I mean, in all of this, are you starting to kind of feel how this story that sometimes we hold up as as a a wonderful Bible story is actually uh, crazy and uncertain and terrifying? This is an impossible situation. And then... And this is the part I love. Then, after all of this, the sea still has not been parted. After literally being drawn to their wit's end, face to face with uncertainty and sheer impossibility, certain of only one thing perhaps, and that's uncertain death, being led, driven away from the one thing they knew was certain, which was Egypt, from their home, from what was familiar, standing literally with only one option left, and this option making no sense at all, then and only then, Exodus 14, Verse 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. 
Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. As the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Egypt rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Security and assurance and salvation can be found in the midst of uncertainty. Because God can be found in the midst of uncertainty. Here's the thing, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever to believe in something that you cannot see. And yet often it's exactly in that moment when we literally can't see any other way out that seemingly out of nowhere we're hit with the goodness of God. Like we didn't see it coming. We're caught off guard because it's the last thing we expected. There was no goodness in sight. I mean, you realize that in this story. There was no goodness in sight here. But somehow, someway, in the middle of our own uncertainty, he shows up. Another wiser preacher than me put it this way. The presence of God is not measured by our realization of it. See, whether we realize it or not, God is there. His goodness is still there. He was still with the people of Israel, guiding and providing for them. 
And what you'll find as you begin to take a look at the stories of scripture, and as you listen to the stories of people who have chosen, even when it didn't make sense, to follow Jesus, what you'll find in both of those cases is that often God is right there in the midst of the uncertain and the unknown. In fact, I dare you this week, we're not too beyond dares, right? Double dog dare you to open up your Bible and look. Look at those impossible situations in scripture and see that God isn't there. Ask someone around you, why are you the way you are? Not in a bad way, but why do you seem to always have this like certainty and this faith? I dare you to ask them, why do you have that? See, it's like God is that sneaky little where's Waldo guy right in front of you and you're looking and, and you didn't even realize he was there but he's been there the whole time. See, but because what doesn't make sense to us is simply another necessary step along the way in the journey that God has already seen and already mapped out. Doesn't make sense to us, but he already sees it. He knew what he had up his sleeve with the people of Israel. He saw the journey that he was going to guide them on. He sees our journeys and what lies ahead of us. He's the one that mapped it all out from start to finish until the very end of time. See, he sees all that already. He knows it. And Jesus actually tried to explain this very same thing to his disciples in the book of John, also chapter 14, if you want to flip there with me. John chapter 14, he sees that his disciples are troubled, which he's just told them, hey, I'm going to be leaving soon. Um, I'm going to die. So they're rightly troubled. And, and he, he sees that they're upset. And so he says, hey, believe believe in God, believe in me. And then he goes on to tell them about this plan that he has, this place, this house that he's preparing for them, where one day they'll all be together with him and his father. And he says, you know the way to where I'm going. And this one guy named Thomas says what probably everyone else is thinking, but too afraid to say, because don't you just love that one guy who does that? And Thomas, he steps up and he says, um, Lord, we actually don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? You hear that? That's uncertainty impossibility, unseen and unknown. He's saying, Jesus, how do you expect us to get there to walk forward and closer to this place, this plan that you're talking about when we don't know the way? It doesn't make any sense. And then Jesus says to him, what I think God was whispering to Moses' heart when he told him to walk forward. 
John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way. When nothing makes sense, when you can't see any other way, when this life, when this world is uncertain, and I know it doesn't make sense, and it seems foolish to trust in something, to trust in someone you can't see, in a place and a promise that you've never seen, I am the way. And everything in us wants to fight this, to rationalize it to explain it away. But the Bible says that's exactly what faith is. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. It doesn't make sense. It's foolish. It's dumb. It feels wrong and upside down to believe in something that you can't see, like grasping for something in the air when there's nothing there and you are drowning in an ocean. It doesn't make sense. And yet, we wake up every morning without more than a second thought of the breath that is filling our lungs so that we can inhale and exhale. And we know that something in the atmosphere is holding the sun and the sky up in its place so that it doesn't come crashing down. Somehow, each hour, each day keeps ticking along at the same speed it always has. For centuries, since the beginning of time, and we don't see that. We can see the signs of time, like graying hair, growing and aging bodies, the days and months and years flying by, but time itself we don't see. And yet we're sure of it. So could there not also be a God who is good and who sees the road ahead even though we don't? I mean, is that such a stretch of the imagination? But I can't see him. I talk to him. I, I can't hear him. I, I've, I've never noticed him before. Uh, how do I know he's there? But, 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 and we could go on and on and on. But what if he's right there, maybe right behind you? simply inviting you to walk forward so that he can surprise you with his goodness. Just waiting on the other side of all of our uncertainties. What if all it takes is walking into your uncertainty to experience the greatest security and assurance you could ever know? The security that is found in the God who parts seas and defeats armies and puts all other powers to shame. And so this morning, I want to leave you with just one question. It's not a short question or an easy question, but it's one question. 
Are you willing to step beyond your uncertainty, whatever that may be for you, beyond the unknown and the unseen, and believe that there is a good and all-knowing God just waiting to guide you deeper into his unexpected goodness. Today, and then tomorrow, and then the day after that, and every day after that. Because it often takes actually stepping forward, sometimes even stepping forward daily, into what doesn't make sense for us to see and be sure that he's been there all along. In our greatest uncertainties, God is ready and waiting to be our greatest security. Would you pray with me? Lord, in a world that doesn't make sense so often, in our lives that are so uncertain at times, you are there. You are guiding, you are good. You see and you hear us. Lord, help us to be willing this week to take that step into uncertainty and trust that you are waiting to guide and provide. Lord, you are the protector and the lover of our hearts. Help us trust you with our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen.